0: Uh, Well, let me begin today by asking you a couple of questions, right? Have you ever arrived at church thinking, What can I get out of today? Have you ever left church saying, I didn't actually get anything out of today? Have you ever left church on a Sunday thinking, I actually don't need to clean up because somebody else will do that? Have you ever been angry because you received no recognition from the church? Have you ever blamed a member of the church for all that's wrong within the church? Now, did you answer yes to any of these questions? Because if you did, then you may have some growing up to do. You may still be on spiritual milk. Because if we never move on from spiritual milk to solid food, right, then we are on a path to falling away. So today, what we're going to see in our passage is that resisting spiritual growth, that can lead you to rebel against God. Let me say that again. Resisting spiritual growth can lead you to rebel or fall away from God. Because what it does is it ends up hardening your heart against God. But who resists change and growth the most? It's toddlers, right? Children. Children. Immature Christian toddlers are the most vulnerable to falling away or rebelling against God. Why? Because they resist moving on from spiritual milk to solid spiritual food. Now, can mature Christians fall away and reject Christ? Yeah, they can. But the most vulnerable to falling away and rebelling are Christian toddlers. Okay? So the aim of today, it isn't condemnation. Okay? It isn't to condemn you by the end of this sermon. It isn't to make you feel guilty or shameful uh, for where you're at. That's what Satan does, right? He, he entices us to sin. And when we give in, he points the finger at us. That's why he's called the accuser, right? But the goal today, goal today isn't condemnation, but it's to warn you. Just like how traffic lights warn us to stop because there's traffic coming the other way, right? The passage today is warning us against spiritual immaturity and falling away. Because this falling away will lead to something called apostasy, okay? And apostasy meaning, uh, meaning turning away from the faith, right? Abandoning or renouncing the faith, rejecting Jesus, rejecting the church, so just like the writer of Hebrews has said before, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. Okay, let's read our passage today. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. This is what it says, verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths Of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now, we've been in the book of Hebrews for a couple of weeks, right? And we're about to get into the heart of the book. Uh, last week, if you are here with us, uh, Anthony Beyond AB, uh, he preached an amazing sermon in Hebrews uh, 5 about Jesus being the superior, the empathetic, uh, the merciful high priest, and what that means for us, right? Today, we're going to unpack one of five warnings from the book of Hebrews. And this is what I want you to think about. Think about a fully grown adult who only drinks milk. They have never moved on from milk to solid food, from milk to a Wagyu steak. They have never moved on. You know, we're not talking about adults with with special needs or conditions or disabilities, but we're talking about a fully grown, fully functioning adult who only drinks milk. Now, if you met that person, you would think something is seriously wrong. But that's the condition of the original readers of this letter, okay? The author of Hebrews is saying, you guys should actually be on solid foods now. You should have developed spiritually by now, but you're still drinking milk from the bottle. You're still drinking spiritual milk. And so the end of chapter five and all of chapter six, he gives us this warning. If you resist growing, if you're not growing in your Christian faith, then it should be a wake-up call because you're putting yourself in a dangerous position spiritually. And this will lead you to fall away or rebel against God. So within this morning, we're given three characteristics, right, of a spiritual toddler. This is what they are. Number one, they don't listen. Number two, they are forgetful Number three, they are undiscerning. And as we go through these characteristics, what I want you to do is check your own heart. Check your heart. Just because you grew up in church or just because you've been baptized or just because you serve in a ministry, it doesn't mean you're spiritually mature, okay? So the reason why we need to hear this today is to check our own heart. Number one, a characteristic of spiritual toddlers is that they don't listen if you've got children and they don't listen you know exactly what I'm talking about if you if you're responsible for a team at work and they don't listen to you you know what I'm talking about have you ever have you guys ever rocked up to a meeting or a lunch right and you're waiting for the other person 10 minutes goes by oh they must be they must still be on their way Twenty minutes goes by. Oh, they must be you know stuck in an elevator or like grabbing a coffee or something. 30 minutes goes by, 40 minutes goes by, an hour goes by, you message the other person. You message them, hey, where are you? I'm waiting. Did you forget? And as you press the send button, you remember something. You remember something. Did they say Tuesday or Thursday? And you realize, right, that they weren't act, that you weren't actually listening to their response. And just like how children don't listen, just like how we don't listen, right, the people that this book was written to, they weren't listening to these biblical truths. The author is about to go into this deep, theologically rich exposition of Jesus as the high priest. But before he does that in chapter 7, he's like, wait, wait. And this is what we get in verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Okay, Now, why is he saying that? Is he saying that the readers are not smart enough? Is he saying that they're not intelligent enough to understand these theological concepts? But he's not actually saying any of those things. But what he is saying is this. He's saying that you are dull of hearing. Another translation says, you have become slow to learn. Now, what does dull of hearing, slow to learn mean? It means they were lazy, sluggish, negligent. You know, the word dull, you can use that to describe a competitor or an athlete who is just out of shape, right? Who's lazy, who's sluggish. It's not that they weren't able to listen, right? They just couldn't be bothered to listen. They became numb. So dullness of hearing, it, it, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your ears. You have to really listen to this. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with the ears, but it means that there's something wrong with your heart. It's a heart problem. And as one pastor says, it's a dangerous spiritual disease, In which the heart doesn't seek after God's promises. It resists Him. And this was the condition of the Hebrew people. They had an inability to listen to spiritual truth. Not because they were naturally dull or lacked uh, intellect, but they had become spiritually lazy. They became unreceptive and closed. And this is why it's such a dangerous spiritual disease because when the heart doesn't seek after God, it naturally drifts away. It naturally disobeys God. And so I wonder if that's you today. Have you ever sat in a sermon, right, hearing the word of God and you felt numb to everything that's being said or you've zoned out or you've just sat there and be like, I I can't be bothered to listen? Maybe that's some of you today. You know, these people that the author is writing to, they're not interested in understanding theology. They're not interested in understanding God's plan for salvation and how Jesus fits into all that. They're not interested because they've become lazy, sluggish, and numb. Michael Kruger says this, It is a sign of spiritual unhealth in a person when they hear theology and good doctrine and say, who cares and so I want to challenge you to check your heart, have you become lazy, have you become numb have you become sluggish are you the person who listens to good theology and good doctrine and says who cares because if you are then you're condemning yourself to constant infancy, you will never grow Number two, spiritual toddlers are forgetful. Listen to verse 12. This is what it says. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. So these Hebrew Christians, right, they were having to be taught again and again and again the same things. They weren't remembering what they had been told, and so they weren't growing past the stage of infancy. And the author says, by now you should understand God's word well enough to teach others, but instead you need to be taught the elementary truths or the ABCs of God's word. You know, questions like who is Jesus? What is salvation? What is sin? These are great questions for new believers. This is spiritual milk, which is appropriate for infants. But if you've been a Christian for a while, you shouldn't need to come back to these basics all the time. And for someone that's been a Christian for a while, you should be moving on to deeper, solid theological truth. And please hear me on this. I'm not saying that every person needs to be a preacher or, or be able to stand on stage and, and share God's word. But what, but what the author is saying is this. You should be familiar with these basic teachings to be able to impart it to others. You should be disciple makers. You should be helping other people to follow Jesus. Do you know what is a great indication of whether someone is a toddler or an adult? It's selfishness, right? Children haven't developed the maturity to think about others. And when you're only thinking about yourself, you forget the needs of others. The way that these Hebrew people uh, were having to be reminded of the same things again and again and again, uh, it was a sign of selfishness because it meant they weren't teachers in the church, They had become takers in the church. I love how one pastor puts it. He says this. They have become high-maintenance toddler Christians. High-maintenance toddler Christians. Now, do toddlers help clean the room? No. Do they help us clean their clothes? No. Do they help you make dinner? No. All these things the adult needs to help them do, right? And because of that, they are 100% takers. They're not givers. But it's not their fault. Why? Because they're toddlers, they're children. But if you're still acting like that when you're 28, 29, 30, then something's not right. Something is wrong. For you, Are you a high-maintenance Christian toddler? Are you someone that's just taking and taking and taking and taking? Are you mature enough to give back to the church? Are you serving others not just on Sunday, but all throughout the week? Are you helping others follow Jesus? Number three. The third characteristic of toddlers is that they are undiscerning. Now, what does undiscerning mean? It means they are blind. They are oblivious, right? They are uncomprehending. Take, for example, if a child runs out on the street, they don't have the awareness to think about the dangers of traffic and cars. They haven't developed the ability, right, to discern between good and evil. Should I marry this guy or girl? That choice involves discernment. Should I use all my savings to invest into a business? That involves discernment. Verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. What is this verse saying? It's telling us that immature Christians, right, they can't always separate right from wrong. Running out onto the street, lying on your tax return, stealing, adultery, pornography. But do you know why it's so dangerous to be stagnant in your growth as a Christian or to be stuck in the stage of infancy? Do you know why? It's because it makes you vulnerable to deception. And how do mature Christians avoid deception? through discernment, the ability to judge well. Mature Christians are constantly practicing how to distinguish, right, between good and evil. And they do that by feeding themselves on the Word of God. And this is such an important verse because in this, you actually get to see how to grow spiritually. We grow spiritually by constantly practicing discernment. How? We engage in every situation, every circumstance, and say, what would God say about this? Because maturity means you learn to discern through everything. Through the songs that you listen to, through the movies that you watch, through social media, through the different commercials. What would God say? That Netflix series that tempts you to lust and turn to pornography, what would God say? Your hours and hours spent on social media, what would God say? We learn to distinguish between good and evil by taking the word of God and applying it. And when we do that, right, we get to make the right choices when we're confronted with with critical, critical decisions in our lives. Now, if you're here and you're a brand new Christian, or you've just started your walk with God, then welcome to the family. Spiritual milk is what you need. It's what you need right now in this season. You need the elementary truths or the word of God, but you can't stay there forever. For some of us, we've been a Christian for years and years and years. We're a part of a life group. We've been serving in a ministry. We've done all the courses available at church. We've gone on mission trips, but we haven't gone past the spiritual milk. The danger of being a spiritual child or toddler is that our children don't have the strength and they don't have the energy to defend themselves. Think about it in the wild, in the jungle, right? Lions will always go after the newborns first. Why? Because newborns can't keep up with their mums. They are the ones that the lions can easily separate from the pack and bring down. Listen to the intensity of this verse in 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lions in the wild going after newborns because they're weak and vulnerable. This is the same for the Christian life. If you're not growing in your faith, then you're susceptible to deception. And deception will harden your heart against God. It will cause you to fall away or rebel against God. And this is the heavy warning that the author gives us in the rest of Hebrews chapter six. Sluggishness, laziness, immaturity. It can lead you to totally rejecting Jesus. And the Bible calls this apostasy. An apostate, right, is someone who turns away from sound teaching, someone who rejects Jesus, or someone who rejects the church. If you've been around church for a while, uh, you will have come across some of these people. They look like a true believer. They, They sound like a true believer. But later they prove not to be. Think about Judas, who betrayed Jesus. It wasn't obvious to the other disciples that Judas would betray Jesus. And so Hebrews 6, right, specifically 4 to 8, is talking about someone who seems to be a believer, but really isn't. Jesus warns us about this. He warns us about this because he knows that there'll always be people in the church who seem to be a believer, but they're not. Matthew 7, it says this. One of the most confronting verses in the Bible, it says this. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. Now, that's a weighty, sobering thought. Think about that. Let that sink in. There are people here today who think they're a Christian because they became a member of the church or because you serve at church or because you come to church on a Sunday morning or because In your mind, you know that Jesus died for you. But do you know who else knows that someone died for you? It's Satan, the devil. He knows that too. Yes, you may have been baptized. You may have thrown away all your drugs, all your illegal material. You may have started reading the Bible. You could have grown up in a Christian home. All that stuff doesn't mean you're a Christian. All these things can't save you. We don't do all these things to earn God's affection, but they are a response to his love for us. And let this be a warning to every single one of us that we're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. Let me say that again. We're saved by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. All this other stuff like going to church, being baptized, reading the Bible, growing up in a Christian home, they're good things that are needed in order for us to grow. Okay, I'm not saying that you don't need any of that stuff. I'm saying don't put your trust in that. That's the wrong foundation. Any other foundation we build on except Christ, our solid rock, will lead us away. It will lead us to harden our hearts against God. It will lead us to resist spiritual growth. The warnings against apostasy are serious. The warnings against Jesus, it's serious. So what are we meant to do? What does this all mean for us? Whether you're a spiritual toddler or whether you've been on this journey for a while, What are we meant to do? How are we meant to grow spiritually mature? How are we meant to avoid apostasy? Well, we see the answer in chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It says this. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith in patience, inherit what has been promised. The author is telling us: press ahead, persevere, because the genuineness of your faith, the genuineness of your salvation will be proved by your persistence in faith. Some people will show all the signs of conversion, of becoming a Christian but will drift away after some time. And this shows us that they actually weren't really a Christian in the first place. And so those who persevere will, will prove the genuineness of their faith. And so how do we persevere? Two things we see in this passage. Number one, take your faith seriously. Do you guys remember the first your first official job? Do you guys remember that? And I'm not talking about like mowing the neighbor's garden and, or like cleaning the neighbor's car. But the job that you had to wake up early for, the job that uh, you had to be on time for. Do you remember your attitude and your heart in the first couple of days? You took the job seriously. Because if you didn't, it meant that you would get fired. It meant that you wouldn't have any money to survive. Well, that's the heart the author is telling us to have. He's saying, take your faith seriously. If your heart is dry and your walk with God is is stagnant, then something needs to change. It won't just magically get better. And if you take your faith seriously, right, it means that you'll spend intentional time with God, intentional time learning about the Bible, Learning how to serve. What is it this week that that you need to change in order to take your faith seriously? And as we saw a couple of weeks ago, it doesn't take too much for us to drift to another continent. And the passage today is telling us if we don't persevere, if you don't take your faith seriously, then you may fall away. You may rebel. Number two. Be hardworking. Don't be sluggish. Don't be lazy like spiritual toddlers. Has anyone heard of uh, David Goggins? He's doing his rounds on social media these days. Uh, He's this retired U.S. uh, Navy SEAL member. Uh, But now he's like a marathon and ultra marathon runner, um, as well as like an author, motivational speaker. Um, But he has overcome some massive hurdles in his life and now he's this machine of a person who, who has the endurance and strength and power to just keep going and going and going. But one thing you can't deny about David Goggins, right, is that he works hard. To the point where you're looking at his clips like of him exercising and you feel really tired. But just as he works hard to keep his body in shape, right, we need to be hardworking to avoid spiritual laziness and so for you have you become spiritually lazy in your Bible reading in your prayer life maybe the extra mile that you need to go this week is, is fasting reading some commentaries listening to some extra sermons and please hear me on this I'm not saying that we can uh, work our way into heaven that's not what I'm saying but the Christian life is still labor. It still requires us to grow and mature. It's like if you're training for a marathon or like a BJJ tournament or or a bodybuilding competition. There's energy and work that's involved. Today we've seen toddlers, they don't listen. They are forgetful. They are undiscerning. We've seen how dangerous apostasy is. we've seen the author spur us on to persevere and be hardworking. All these things today, right, these are great biblical principles, okay? But they can't save you, okay? You have to really hear me on this. These things don't rescue you from the bondage of guilt and shame these things don't make us right with God. But these things are given to us to show us a need for a saviour, to show us that we can't actually do this on our own, that if we're left to our very own, it is in our nature to rebel against God. And so there are some of you in this place who don't know God. You're not a Christian. And there are some of you here today who call yourself a Christian, but you're really really not. And the first thing that you have to know is that there's nothing that you can do to earn your way into heaven. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's love. The Bible tells us in Titus, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Your good deeds, your righteous things that you've done, it doesn't save you. Your sin, however big or small, whether you've stolen something, whether you've murdered someone, whether you've looked at another person lustfully, our sins have separated us from God the Father. And because God is a just God, He doesn't let sin go unpunished. Sin needs to be dealt with and the proper payment needs to be made. And this is how big God's love for you and for me is that he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to be the proper payment for our sins. Jesus, he came as fully God, fully human, took our sins on that cross. He paid for all our sins for once and for all. That means every sin you've committed, past, present, and future, he washes it clean. He died a sinner's death, and three days later, he rose again in victory. And because of this, Jesus has purchased our freedom. We no longer need to, be, to live in the guilt and shame that, that chain us when we sin. But our lives have been purchased by the blood of Jesus. And because of this, because of all this, we get to persevere. We get to work hard in knowing Jesus more and more. We get to grow beyond a spiritual toddler. We work and do righteous things as a response to the God who gave everything for us. For those of you who call yourself a Christian, persevere, persevere. At the end of our earthly travels, after we've taken our last breath on earth, and when we're standing before God Almighty, the greatest hope and encouragement will be hearing these six words. Well done, good and faithful servant. So let's show diligence and perseverance to the very end because it's worth it. Friends, it's absolutely worth it. The sacrifices that you've made to serve God, he sees it all. The time, the money you've given up to seek his kingdom, God sees it all. And I just want to finish with this. This one quote from Max, Max Lucardo. Uh, and he writes about the day when we will stand face to face with God. This is what he says. You may not have noticed it, but you are closer to home than ever before. Each moment is a step Taken. Each breath is a page turned. Each day is a mile marked, a mountain climbed. You are closer to home than you've ever been. Before you know it, your appointed arrival time will come. You'll descend the ramp and enter the city. He's talking about heaven here. You'll see faces that are waiting for you. You'll hear your name spoken by those who love you. And maybe. Just maybe, in the back, behind the crowds, the one who would rather die than live without you will will remove his pierced hands from his heavenly robe and applaud. How good is that? Let's close our eyes in prayer.